Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His Church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to His instructions in humble obedience. Well, I am privileged to have a good friend, someone who I've worked with him and uh, been a friend for a number of years, James Poole, all the way from Texas. James, uh, welcome to uh, our little podcast here. Yeah, thank you, Randy. And I appreciate so much the friendship that we've had. You've had great influence in my life. So well, thank- it's it's been mutual, trust me. Let me tell you a little bit more about this, this friend of mine, James Poole. He uh, actually started ministry. Uh, he may be able to tell us a little bit more, even when he was in high school. But he's been a pastor in Texas, where he now lives, for over 30 years. And after that, became the national prayer director for One Cry. And that's actually where we initially met. I have a few years at One Cry myself. Uh, That's a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. He's been in that role since its inception 10 years ago. And he also started a college student organization, which is called One Cry for Baylor University. And you went actually to Baylor, right? You're a student. I did. I graduated from there and have always had a concern that they experience revival on that campus. That's so good. And so you're the on-site sponsor in Waco, Texas, and you're part of Prayer Link, which is a Southern Baptist Convention's state prayer leader network. And you and your wife, Valerie, are parents to three great kids, and I know at least one or two of them personally, and they are the ones I know are great, and I know all three are, so... Welcome again, James. Thanks for taking a few minutes to uh, be on this podcast. Thank you. It's a blessing to be able to join you, Randy. It's uh, always a joy to see what you're doing in Michigan and beyond. Yeah, well, God has is, is been doing to both of us what, um, you know, what, what he seems to be doing in our nation and our world. And we so desperately, and we agree on this, need revival, spiritual awakening, and obviously, you know, you were drawn to that to come to One Cry and ministry. But what is it that's drawn your heart specifically to this whole area of prayer and revival and awakening? Yeah, you know, when I was young, Randy, God used a passage of scripture that I memorized as a kid. It was John 16, 24. It says, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Hmm. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And I had an experience as a kid where I was in a setting on a camp out with a bunch of guys on the Brazos River near Waco, and the sponsor's keys were lost by some guys just playing around, you know, keep away from the sponsor. And um, he had us on our hands and knees looking for those keys. It was night in Texas, brown grass, one yellow light bulb hanging in the tree. Wow. And after an hour of that, all these High school guys were just totally frustrated. And the guys who had done it were, you know, leaning against a tree crying. Can you imagine that? Some tough high school guys. I mean, we were so berated and it was so challenging. And I, I had that verse pop into my mind. And mm-hmm. so I went over to the uh, cot that I was sleeping on that night. Uh-huh. And I just put my head and my hands on my knees and began to pray that verse. 
and said, Lord, uh, I don't believe this is your will, seeing all this frustration. Mm-hmm. And it would bring us a lot of joy if you'd help us to find that key. And you know, Randy, I opened my eyes and right between my feet was that key. <laughs> and it. the one light bulb that we had hanging in the trees was reflecting off of it. So I couldn't miss it. And that was God's invitation for me to really understand the importance of prayer in everyday life. Mm. And then later he began to burden me for revival and spiritual awakening and and prayer just undergirded all of that. So that's how I got there. So you've been praying for revival and spiritual awakening for, for a long period of time, many years? For a long time. And you know, as I had the years pass as a pastor, I started looking back at all the sermons I'd preached about prayer, revival and spiritual awakening. And I realized there were many from scripture. And so at one point, God just began to burden my heart to uh, Mm. leave the pastorate just by faith and to network intercessors to pray for revival and spiritual awakening. And it was a, a great step for our family I remember wow. gathering all those kids you talked about in the living room saying, listen, God's told me that I need to leave the pastorate just and trust him. I mean, no salary, uh, no place to go. Wow. <laughs> just look to him to guide us and direct our steps in networking intercessors to, to cry out to God for ministries, churches other than their own. And the family agreed. <clears throat> we began a wonderful journey. And that was back in 2010. And so... It's been a great, uh, exciting faith journey ever since. So that's when you then connected ultimately to One Cry, which is part of Life Action Ministries. Is that right? Yes. A friend and I began to uh, network with some intercessors and pray for uh, different events in churches. And we were actually praying at Billy Graham's The Cove. Okay. And Byron Paulus, the head of Life Action Ministries, was there, and he had just had a vision about what became later one cry. And so he invited me to join him and a handful of other uh, pastors. And I had already, you know, left the pastorate and sure. I was totally open to just see what God was going to do in my life. And I was able to be a part of the founding of one cry uh, through life action ministries. And it's been exciting. Well, James, when you prayed many years ago to find that key, immediately you got the key, right? But now exactly. you've, you've been praying for revival and spiritual awakening, you know, for much longer. Does that result in frustration on your part or what, what, what's, what's going on inside of you for us to keep praying? And we have been too for a number of years and yeah. just where is it? And what, what it, it, does that, where does that leave you? Randy, it's not frustrating at all. Hmm. And that God has his timetable. Okay. For seeing our nation experience revival and spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. And I realize that there are a lot of cogs in the wheel. And there are a lot of pieces that God has been putting together for years now. And I, you know, every now and then I'm really encouraged because I see some brush fires of revival. Okay. It seems like we're just slowly moving toward maybe the apex of what God wants to see happen in this nation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm still excited. Okay, good. To him to do something phenomenal mm-hmm. in our nation, in the church again. That's good. I mean, uh, we you've heard the expression, you know, that God is sovereign and he's the one that makes decisions on when, if and when revival comes. 
but we need to kind of put our sails up. We've heard that expression to catch the wind of the spirit. Are we doing a good job as a church of putting our sails up in these days? Well, you know, I think the father uh, sometimes applies pressure to us yeah, to cause us to pause and to put those sails in place, Randy. Um, when COVID hit, we were doing a, a national prayer call on Tuesday evenings by phone. Yes. And when COVID hit, so many people joined us, we broke the system. And so we had to go to an entirely different format using Zoom and uh, Facebook Live because so many people joined in to cry out to God for deliverance and for revival. And we're continuing to see large numbers of people pray. Uh, Dave Butts, you know, the chairman of the National Prayer Committee, feels yes. like he's seeing more people pray now than ever in his lifetime, mm -hmm. uh, crying out to God for revival. And, uh, you know, every day through our ministry, we're hearing of new groups of people that God's raising up. Mm -hmm. um, I'm yeah. excited about what's happening in Grand Rapids. Yes. <laughs> I mean, God sent you there, and, mm -hmm. and there's a movement of there people is. crying out to God yeah. for revival. Yeah. yeah. Yep, we have been doing that faithfully, and we'll continue to do that. But we need to honestly ask, we need to look to God and say, Lord, is there something that we're lacking? Are we, are we, are we as committed as we need to be? Are we as desperate as we need to be? You know, I've heard the expression given uh, that the five nations where the church is growing the fastest are nations where the church is being persecuted. Whereas the five nations where the church is either in decline or just not growing are nations where the, the church is more given freedom, including the United States. Um, this is a little bit discouraging to me or concerning at least. Do we need more pressure? What is it that God is trying to say to us as best you can discern? Yeah, I believe there are several messages, Randy, that God is trying to get us to hear okay. him, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and he's been trying to get our attention since at least the uh, late eighties, early nineties mm -hmm. in a big way. I, even last week I went back and listened to a message from Henry Blackaby that he spoke in 2004 okay. at uh, the Heartcraft revival conference held at Billy Graham's the cove. Mm -hmm. And it was from Jeremiah two. And it seemed like he could have been speaking it right today and be a fresh, appropriate message. Huh. And the message is that we, as the people of God in the U.S., have forsaken God. Wow. And so uh, why are we not seeing more revival here? Yeah. Now, I believe God is trying to get our attention once again to turn away from our personal and corporate sin mm -hmm. and turn back to him in an intimacy where we can once again hear his voice and obey his commands. You know, everything about Christianity is relational. Randy. Yes. Yes. That's good. And God's just been continually pouring into my heart, this truth. And he's used John 17, three mm -hmm. as a primary passage to help me see this and understand it. And that, that verse has become probably one of my favorite verses. It's a part of the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in conversation with the father, he said, and this is the only place I know where Jesus gives a definition of eternal life. Okay. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, 
the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Mm -hmm. No mention of going to heaven. Mm -hmm. No mention of the things that we look for as humans, you know, to try to uh, find eternal security. Right. What he spoke of was that eternal life is all wrapped up in knowing God. And there are two Greek words for know. One is oida, which is head knowledge. Right. It's factual knowledge. But the word that Jesus used is gnosko, and that's relational right. knowledge. Intimate, intimate knowledge. In, yeah. Intimate knowledge, where a relationship gets started and begins to grow and mature. And what's happened, Randy, I believe in the U.S., is that we have left our love relationship with God. Mm. Uh, you know, just, just like in Revelation, where, you know, there's a church of Laodicea, and they've left their first love. The church of Ephesus, actually. Ephesus, yep. yeah, that's right. We've left our first love, yep. and, and we need to go back. Yeah. And see that love restored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find it personally just very easy for me to get into a, a an obedience mode of just do, do, do. Is that good enough, God? Rather than that relationship, that intimacy. Yeah. I, I often tell people and, and tell try to tell myself that, you know, God doesn't need us. I mean, he is self-sufficient. And yet he desperately wants us. We are so dear to him. And, and I often will say, God, why am I important to you? He says, because you're mine. But yeah, but Lord, you've got millions of other. Yeah, but I only have one you. So come here. Yeah. And so he, he wants us, even though he doesn't need us. And so many times because of our other preoccupations and thinking, oh, if I could just get this or a little more of that or whatever, then, then I'll be. It's never enough. We have this God-shaped vacuum, like Pascal, the mathematician, said, in our heart, this, this emptiness that God alone can fill. Yeah. So I love that. That is so good. Yeah. Randy, I, another thing I think we're missing is that, you know, I love the way Jesus spoke to those churches in Revelation. And yeah. I guess yeah. Ephesus, Laodicea. Yes. Those seem to be so applicable to where we are. I agree. Another thing that we're missing is that God was holding churches accountable for their corporate sins. Hmm. And we're very quick to look at our personal lives and know that God holds us accountable for our relationship with him individually. Yes. yes. But we see churches today that have left their love relationship with God uh, because they're no longer listening to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's they right. have lost the intimacy of a relationship with him. Therefore we're no longer hearing his commands. We've, for years, I know as a pastor, we relied on, on programs, church growth methods, yeah. everything that was humanistic. Okay, right. Instead of hearing the voice of God and saying, Father, what do you want for us? And he says this, and we hear and obey. And so we've lost our ability to hear the voice of God as churches and as individuals. And, you know, we know... Hmm somewhat about what it takes to repent personally, but we need to hear again what it takes for churches to repent hmm. and to experience corporate repentance. Um, I pastored three churches, Randy. Yeah. And we took time in each of those three churches in particular to examine our corporate sins. And when we 
went before God and said, God, would you show us how we as a group of believers have departed from your ways, your purposes, have departed from you. And he began to show us how we had corporately sinned. And then we took time in each of those three churches, Randy, to ask God to forgive us wow. of our corporate sins. And you know what happened after that? <laughs> Evangelism took place. Really? If God <laughs> said, okay, now that you're willing to get right with me corporately, I'll bless wow. you with children. So for the next two years in all three of those locations, we broke baptismal records. Huh. Because we changed our corporate ways, not just our personal ways, wow. but our corporate ways. And so I think this is a season where God's calling churches to hmm. take time to go before him corporately and say, God, would you show us how we may have departed from your ways? Wow. Give me an illustration specifically. What, like, what was one of those corporate sins or departures from the Lord's ways? Okay. One thing that we experienced in the, the last of those three churches, the largest church I pastored, yes. was that we were very um, humanistic in our approach to business, dealing with issues in the church. Okay. Um, our deacons were, were like a, a board and very manipulative at times. Hmm. We'd have conferences in our church dealing with business issues, and uh, there was anger and manipulation. We had to confess that is wrong. Okay. And so our deacons actually took time and they completely reversed their attitude, their approach. Uh, they became servant minded and ministry oriented instead of controlling business leaders. Wow. And when we did that, it just began to change our congregation. And there were many other things as well. How, how did, I mean, did you go through a period of fasting and praying or how did you get the word that this was the issue? How did, yeah, what was well, the process to hear God? In that church, it took about three years of preparation, Randy, <laughs> Wow! because churches today do not realize that God holds them corporately accountable for their sin. Huh? And so uh, we had to go back and take a lot of time to look at scripture and looked at, we looked at all the revivals in the Old Testament and then the movements of the Spirit of God in the New Testament. And our people began to slowly understand, oh, we are accountable for our corporate sins. Wow. That, that's a, a, a fairly unique perspective. I mean, it's certainly consistent with Revelation, and I totally agree with it. But honestly, I've never heard that expressed by anyone else. I think yeah. this is something you've got to make a little bit, spread it a little bit more broadly, uh, James. I think this is profound. I think you're absolutely true and right that, that churches are held accountable, not just individuals. And, uh, but the, then to, to better unpack the process by which you hear God, um, is it from the preaching of the word and, and other means and, and just you know, fasting and praying? Yeah, I think a lot of uh, churches today, Randy, when things are not going well in the church, their first um, response is to blame the pastor. And so we see that happening a lot in churches, and that just leads to uh, lessened health. <clears throat> and uh, it takes the focus off of what the real issue is, which are the ways of the people. 
And so it takes time for a pastor to equip his people to understand that we need to pause and let's not look at individuals. Let's look at who we are as a whole. And um, so first of all, there's a recognition that things are not right, that maybe we're under God's remedial judgment. And the first of those churches, Randy, our city was actually under God's remedial discipline. Mm. We were being disciplined by him because of our ways as believers in that city. And so we not only uh, had to get right as a church, but we actually gathered the whole city together, pulled all the pastors together. And we'd already come together to pray over the, the pressures that we were feeling in our city. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were a rural farming community in Texas. And we were in a season of drought like the old timers had never seen. Wow. Uh, our school needed to upgrade its facilities. And the state was putting pressure on our school saying, we're going to defund you if you don't do something. And we, as a city, had just voted down a bond election to rebuild our schools. Wow. Uh, our only hospital in our city closed. Can you imagine that? I mean, we were a county seat town had one major hospital and it closed. Talk about pressure. Yeah. Our people and the largest employer in the County began laying off droves of people. And so all these pressures were on us. We prayed about them, but then God allowed us to understand that we were under his remedial discipline mm-hmm. as a city of believers. And so we got together as a city, we spent three hours in one of our school cafeterias after a pastors had gotten together, gotten right with each other, first of all. Okay. Yeah. And then in brokenness before God, we began to just cry out to God saying, God, we as a city have sinned against you. And we had, you know, we were a big football town in Texas. That's big. And I'd have church members who could drive out of town to go to football games, but oh, I don't drive at night faster. So I can't come to church at night. We had all these, attitudes, you know, that appeared yeah. ungodly, just fleshly. So we had to come together as a city and ask God to forgive us. And Randy, it was so exciting to see what God did. What did he do? And we, that was, that took place on a Saturday evening. We had a team of people come in that prayed for us. Okay. Saturday evening, we gathered, asked forgiveness of God for our sins as a city. And we had about three hours worth of sins. And as pastors, we'd We'd list one, and then people from the city would go to a microphone weeping in brokenness and ask God's forgiveness for how we had failed him. And um, then on Sunday at our church, our people had that same spirit of just recognizing that we had sinned against God. And I had to make our people go home after the Sunday morning service to take care of their children because they they did not want to leave the time of brokenness and confession from sin that was taking place. And so about six hours that day, that Sunday of just people being broken over their sin. Well, guess what happened on Monday? What happened? What happened? <laughs> I have a, a, a newspaper article that was written from a city uh, an hour away that described what God began to do because on Monday it began to rain. And it did not stop raining until all of the stock tanks were full. And the state, all of a sudden, they took the pressure off of our school system. And, I mean, it just disappeared. And and the city came together 
and said, we can have our own hospital. And they funded it and put a hospital in place. And all the people who were, who were laid off from their work got their jobs back or found employment. Nobody left our church Thank because of God. unemployment. <clears throat> wow. It was just phenomenal to see what God did when we took seriously the mandate to corporately get right with him. And that's really where revival started in my life, Randy. I, I was searching for revival. Uh, I was personally not where I needed to be as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I needed revival. So I went back to school. I went back and got my doctorate thinking, okay, I just need to get better educated. Uh-huh. Maybe that'll help me. Yeah, sure. But it was in the process, not the education, but the process of just seeking God where God began to change me and show me his power. And that's when he explained to me, he brought me in contact with people like Henry Blackaby and Avery Willis, some others that, and Richard Owen Roberts, who had a vision toward corporate repentance that I'd never heard before. Mm-hmm. And it was all biblical. And you look all through scripture and you see that there are times where groups of people come together and repent of their corporate sin and God lifts off of them then the remedial disciplines mm. and brings in the harvest. And I think we're missing seeing a spiritual awakening because we have forsaken God through our personal and corporate sin. Mm. And when we humble ourselves and get right, and I've seen God bless over and over and over again. We're seeing that even now in churches. So uh, you're seeing that in individual churches but what's it going to take for it to become part of our, our cities, our states, our nation? What's, what's it going to take, James? You know, I've, I've wondered about that, Randy. There have been some in our nation who have called our nation to a time of corporate repentance. Yeah. And dealing with all those issues that are concerns to, to all of us. Uh, the abortion rate yes, that's taking place and, mm-hmm. and things like that and, and confessing that before God is wrong. But I believe even though we can do it nationally, it's going to come down to local communities, okay, local pastors in their churches, leading their people to biblically repent, mm. to raise the standards of God's uh, righteousness and holiness once again, you know, I was just talking to some people the other day in, in one of those churches, um, adulterous affairs and divorce were very prominent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People, before I went there, it wasn't unusual for somebody to come and sit with somebody else's wife on the second row of the church. And these were teachers in the church and leaders. And one of the things we had to repent of corporately was, um, fact that adultery, divorce was not right. God, God's desire was that one man, one woman stay together for life. That's right. And so we had to go back and raise that standard biblically in the church. And I remember one night we had six couples that came forward humbly broken because they had gone through that process of divorcing their spouse, marrying mm-hmm. someone else. Yep. Yep. And they came before the church because they realized that there had been a lot of self-centeredness and ungodliness involved in those breakups. And all six of the couples asked not, not only God's forgiveness, but the church's forgiveness because they had lowered his standard of yes, righteousness. Yes, yes. 
And that was a part of God then freeing those individuals mm-hmm. to minister fully. Wow. You know, they, they carried this guilt in their yes. hearts. Yes. And when they got right with God and, and got right with the church family, mm-hmm. they were just freed, completely freed wow. to minister with anointing and power again. Mm-hmm. So it's like our churches have just been, you know, been stifling ourselves because we've not dealt with sin as we should, Randy. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And prayer hopefully will open the door so people will be willing to listen to God and to humble themselves and pray for forgiveness. I mean, is there any other way to get this message into our churches other than praying that 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 God will open eyves? Uh, are there other things we need to be doing besides yeah. prayer? You know, I was talking to a pastor just this last, actually it was just this week, uh-huh. large church here in Texas. And when he began to lead his church to pray, yeah. he, first of all, he had to get right. He said, I wasn't a man of prayer. Yeah. Yep. When he began to lead his church to see the importance of prayer personally and corporately, you know, what prayer, prayer is God's love language. Yeah. It was his original love language. And we go back and see that love restored. It's amazing what God begins to do in convicting our hearts. If we've not had a love relationship. Yes. Yes. And so in his church, he said, I've had over 500 baptisms. Most of those church members who finally got right with God and and started a real relationship with him. And it all came about when they realized, Hey, my prayer life is not what God wants it to be. It's, it's not reflective of a love relationship and the communication of a love relationship. And so God showed them they were lost Uh. and it all came about when they really saw that prayer is the heart of a love relationship. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, Dave Butts, you mentioned him. He, I asked him a number of years ago, you know, how would you define prayer? He said, it's the communication part of the most important love relationship that we have. And I love that. Yeah. And it's like a husband and wife, you know, just back and forth, pass the salt, blah, 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 rather than, you know, talking love relationship. And that's rather than just say, give me, help me, give me, help me, God. It's, it's loving him and letting him speak love words to us. It's a closeness that again, in, in our, fast-paced world with our cell phones and everything else it's we just you know pray on the run you might say rather than spend this quality time communicating back and forth to our our wonderful savior our our heavenly father our brother our big brother jesus you know who loves us dearly so that's really good you mentioned the key word and that's communication yeah and communication is always two ways yeah and see, we're so good at just walking into the throne room of God and just blurting out all these concerns and requests yep. and then yep. turning around and walking out of the throne room. And God's wanting us, Randy, to learn to stay and let him speak to us. That's powerful. His word. Yeah. And oh, how grieved he must be because how many of us have just had seasons in our lives where we run into his throne room and blurt yes, out our request yes. and turn around and walk right out. And there's no intimacy. 
Yeah. There's no sense of a real love relationship being present. I love that. Yes. I mean, men wouldn't do that with their wives. That's right. You wouldn't rush into the house and blurt out what they want done and then turn around and go out in the yard and start working or yeah. go hunting or fishing. There is an interchange of words. And, and, you know, when you look at scripture, Randy, what I have seen is that there's communication back and forth all throughout the pages of scripture. Yeah. Old Testament, New Testament. Mm-hmm. And why would God stop doing that now? That's good Especially point. since about 90% of that, 95% of that is directional. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's giving us direction. Yes. He's telling us what he wants us to do mm-hmm. instead of, you know, being a people who just do things for him all the time. Right, right, right. And, and using him when we need him sort of thing, rather than loving him, which is the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Exactly. Oh, this is, this is rich. Go ahead. Can I share, can I share one illustration sure. to me that, yeah. that explains this whole prayer process? Yes, please do. And the way it should be working in the church. My family, when our children were little, we were at Thanksgiving dinner with my parents on their, on their ranch here in Texas. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my son who was young and our oldest daughter who was very little at the time. And a cousin said, after we finished Thanksgiving lunch, can we go to the Creek? And their home was on a hill and there was a pasture. And then there were woods that had a Creek running through it. And we said, Oh, sure. I had spent a lot of my time as a kid down on that Creek. And so, Go have fun. And, you know, it wasn't very long um, after they left and were down at the creek where God spoke to my spirit. I was in the I was in the spirit in that day on that day. Okay, he spoke to me and said, you need to go to the creek. I mean, just out of the blue. I started like uh, Nehemiah said, you know, in chapter two, I didn't tell anybody what God was putting in my mind. Well, God put that thought in my mind. You sure. need to go to the creek. And I was just, you know, we were having fun as family talking. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it came even more strongly wow. to my mind wow. saying, you need to go to the creek right now. Mm. And so I got up, got in the old family pickup and headed to the creek. And about halfway across the pasture, the cousin came out of the woods running toward the house. Wow. And I thought, okay. And what had happened, Randy, is that my son... And my little daughter had found a tree that had fallen across the creek. And my son challenged his sister to walk across that tree trunk. And I got about halfway across and she fell in. Yeah. Wow. And he jumped in to save her. And they were both little. They were small. And I found out (laughs) the full story later when my son told me, Dad, when that happened, I cried out to God and I said, Oh God, you've got to help me save my sister. Wow. And you've got to help us. And he prayed that to God out loud. And here's how prayer works. I just, I learned it through that experience is that in Grand Rapids right now, there are people who are in dire circumstances. They're lost. Yes. They're frustrated. They're depressed. They've lost jobs. They're single moms who don't know how to fix a flat. 
and they cry out to God saying, Oh God, help us. Yeah. The father hears that prayer and he has a will for every one of those circumstances and people. The scripture says that Jesus only did what he heard the father. That's true. Tell him to do Yep. what he saw the father doing. And the Holy spirit says, I don't do anything by my own initiative. And so what the Holy Spirit hears then from Jesus, the Holy Spirit tells a Christian to do. It's like there's this wonderful communication path where God has the will, speaks to the Son, the Son speaks to the Spirit who lives in you and me, who lives in the church. And when we hear the voice of the Spirit, He tells us what to do to help those in need. Mm -hmm. And to carry his love to people around us. And so that day when the Holy Spirit spoke to me saying, go to the creek, it was simply in response to my son's cries to God for help. Yeah. And I was able to get there, get him in the pickup. It was a cold Thanksgiving day. And I've not been able to hear that and go to the creek. Uh, I'm not sure what would have happened with their health, especially in just uh my son got my daughter out of the creek and they were soaking wet, cold day. Oh, sure. yep. And so I was there to get them into the warm pickup and get them back to the house. And mm. I just thought, okay, that's what we're supposed to be doing as a church. I love it. Oh, James, this is good. This has been very rich. Thank you so much for Thank you, Randy. G- giving so much uh, material, heart, and, and really a new insight as to repentance for not just as individuals, but as the church as a body. That's profound. We need to, we need to push more into that. I really believe that in our day. So thank you. How about you closing us in prayer? Thank you. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you that you have established Christianity to be relational. Mm-hmm. First of all, with you and then with other people. Yes. Lord, I'm so grateful that you've allowed us to have communication that's with you as a holy God. Thank you for giving us your spirit to help us to hear your voice and understand when you're speaking to us using our language, using things that we understand, helping us with our own minds to be able to hear what you're saying so as to obey your commands, to do what you tell us to do. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church in America, Lord, to continue to just purpose to hear your voice for these days. Yes. Lord, it seems like you're calling us to repentance. You're calling us to get right with you. Mm-hmm. And then as we purpose to do that individually and corporately, Father, I've just seen you bless over and over again. And I keep hearing stories of how you then bless churches with children. <laughs> Once you see that they're listening to you and obeying your commands. Mm. Oh, Father, would you keep doing that? And would you allow us to see revival, especially in Grand Rapids and beyond? Lord, would you Mm. allow your spirit to just move powerfully there, Mm -hmm. uh, speaking to your children, moving them to have the kind of faith where they they obey you and just love you, even through that obedience. Like Jesus said, we demonstrate our love for you. Mm. Oh, Father, thank you for being such a wonderful God. Yes, Lord. We pray all these things this morning, today, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. James, thank you so much. 
Randy, it's been a joy. I could talk all day about what God's well, doing. Well, I love it. I love it. I, I wish we had that time that we could do that because you you have learned a lot. You're listening. You're alert to God. And uh, thank you for taking time to share many of those truths with, with me and with, with our audience. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.